The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Roto Experts Fantasy Football Show. I am Davis Maddock. You can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. I am joined in this episode by JJ Zacharyson. You might know him as the late round quarterback from numberfire.com. And uh, we got some takes on running back prospects, wide receiver prospects, and we're going to talk a little bit about how it's impossible to project tight ends to the NFL. But first, JJ, you have some takes about running backs. Yeah, I do. I mean, r- well, first off, running backs still matter. That's that's the the main take. Um, no, they, I mean they 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 matter. There's just a large supply of running backs that are out there, um, and it, it makes it kind of awkward to evaluate running backs because we're looking at running back talent, and then we say, well, running backs don't matter. How can we talk about talent at the running back position? And the way I kind of view it is, uh, teams are trying to be optimal with their decision making, and coaches are. So you know. I think green Bay is a really good example of this where like a lot of people would objectively view Aaron Jones as the superior running back between him and Jamal Williams. And we can sit here and say, it doesn't matter who's on the field because running backs don't make that big of an impact. Um, But at the same time, what we're trying to do here, especially from a fantasy standpoint is pick the running back who's going to see the most volume. Uh, And in order to see volume, you have to be on the field. And if you're assuming that coaches are, are trying to be optimal, then they're looking for the most talented running back to throw out there, uh, which would then be Aaron Jones. So, in the case of prospecting these guys, you're, you're still looking for the most talented guy because you want them to find the field and get volume for your fantasy teams. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, and that's basically the point that I've come to as well, just being like, look, overall, the difference between these guys is not that big. One guy who I've had to admit that I don't think he's very good, I think he's fine, but he's going to have a good NFL career because he's going to go really early in the draft is Josh Jacobs. I see, I see no reason for him to be valued as the best running back in this class. But, but pretty much all the, 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 the grinders, the film grinders, the scouts, they're, they're like the, his hip fluidity and his foot frequency, it's crazy. And, like, I don't, I don't – honestly, I've watched all these running, running back prospects and I don't really see it. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I think that he should be more of like a – like I could see him as like a third rounder. Um, but I think that he at least does – everything so he could be a potential every down back um but yeah i mean you know i scout a lot through numbers uh first and foremost before i start watching and seeing what these guys look like um and you know my prospect model definitely doesn't like josh jacobs now you can say it's because he shared a backfield with another potential pro or will be pro and that's true Uh, but then you have to ask yourself why didn't he just take over that backfield himself why wasn't he seeing a large attempt share in that backfield. And I think that that raises questions as maybe he isn't as talented as you might think that he is. But again, landing spot matters so much with running backs. If there is a team that's going to spend a first round pick on a running back, usually that's a good sign for, for what's to come from a volume standpoint and just from a production standpoint in the NFL. So to me, honestly, because this class is so weak, if Josh Jacobs does go in the first round, he's going to be my RB one. I actually think that he'll be my RB two. And I, you, know, you know how I like to take stands. That's like my thing, right? Daryl Henderson is actually the only running back in this class who I feel comfortable saying is good. 
Like that dude, he's just like, if this guy had been a prospect in 2014 when I was doing stuff at Rotoviz, I would have been writing like 4,000 word articles on like how he was going to be the next Eric Dickerson or whatever. I mean, averaging nine yards per carry in college is crazy. It's like legit. Like, and he wasn't bad. I guess he wasn't great at the combine though. Like he was fine. He wasn't great though. Yeah, I mean, I like Daryl Henderson a lot too. My 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 big hesitation, and again, I'm coming at this from a from a trend standpoint and like what I look for from a from a scouting standpoint through numbers. My biggest hesitation is that efficiency usually doesn't translate as well uh, when you're when you're looking at college to pro uh, versus if you look at attempts, like raw volume that these guys are seeing. Yeah. Um. So that would be my hesitation with Henderson, but we also very rarely if ever see a guy who was this efficient right who was this good on a per touch basis and again just given the way this class looks uh, I can't fault anyone if they have him as their RB1 um you know he he's again I said if Josh Jacobs goes in the first round he'll be my RB1 um but if Daryl Henderson finds a decent spot uh and if Josh Jacobs drops I I could see him ending up as my RB1 as well I don't think Josh Jacobs is going to drop. He got invited. He got invited to the green room the first night of the draft. It'll at least be, it'll at least be an early second, I think, for Jacobs. And if that happens, then I, I still think that he's going to find a spot where he can see volume right away. But there, look, there, there oh, are he, he is the one running back who I'm, like, absolutely certain is going to be, like, like I have him on my fantasy pros ranks right now. I think he's, like, my RB23. Just because like, I'm very certain he's going to be drafted somewhere where he's going to get carries right away. Yeah, I mean, there aren't a ton of spots out there where running backs can fall and you're like, oh yeah, like if, if they go to this team, they're absolutely going to be relevant in fantasy here in year one. I think Chicago's one. It's going to be easy for a back to see early down work, at least there. I think Tampa Bay is an interesting one because Peyton Barber's a jag and Ronald Jones is bad. Well, that's the thing. Do you think that they are ready to give up on Ronald Jones already? Because, like, I don't have a great sense of, like, Arians, like, has no reason to use him. He didn't draft him. He didn't want him. But also they spent a second-round pick on him. Right. So I, I, I think that they'll just have to evaluate him for what he is. And they, they probably won't put much weight into him being an early second-rounder. Um, but Ronald Jones, to me, was a bad prospect. Uh, he had a lot of receiving concerns coming out. Um, and that's already shown. I mean, that was a big reason he couldn't find the field last year is that his pass protection was bad and he couldn't catch passes. Um, so I, I don't think that that necessarily is a good thing for like, especially a Bruce Arians offense. Um, so I, I don't, I don't know if Jones is going to run away with that job or, or get that job, but they don't draft anyone. Then sure. He might have a chance. Um, and the other thing too, is I, I, you know, you don't know how these teams are thinking in terms of, of the type of equity they're trying to spend on, at the running back. Right. Yeah. Some teams are just like, let's get more down. Like, let's take, let's, let's spend a first round draft pick on this guy and then use the seventh round draft pick and use another guy who we signed as a street free agent. Yeah. Let's use all three of them to really yeah. get the run game going. Yeah. So it's basically to me like Chicago and Oakland stand out as two teams that could get. Oakland, like, Oakland is who I mocked, Josh. Yeah, Shea. Oakland's probably the team that would do it because of their equity in the first round. Um, and, and it wouldn't shock anyone if a team that's that's led by John Gruden takes, you know, uh, uh, ends up getting a first round running back in today's NFL. Um, I, I could see that happening, uh, which is why you know he probably will or could end up going in the first round. But again, going back to Daryl Henderson, it's like. You know, if 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 Daryl Henderson finds a spot on Chicago or on Tampa, Daryl Henderson in Tampa Bay would be really interesting. 
you know, if or, or if he goes to Kansas City or something and people aren't as high on Damian Williams, let's say, um, you could you could make an argument that he would still be the number one back in this class despite Josh Jacobs going in the late first. Well, the thing is, is if Kansas City takes a running back, I'm going to riot. Not because I'm even like that invested in Damian Williams. I just don't really care. It would just be the most gross, like misappropriation of resources ever. They, they have so many holes, it's crazy. Yeah, I agree. That's why I don't think that they're going to spend an early pick on one. Um, but you never know. You know, if they if they end up going with a with a second or third on on one of these backs, then uh, you better watch out if you're a Damian Williams manager. Uh, if you have him in Dynasty, I mean, it could just be uh, a split backfield. It still might be to a degree with Carlos Hyde there. I still like Damian Williams. Yeah, I, I actually looked yesterday. I have Damian Williams 53 spots higher than consensus in like dynasty rankings, just because I think even one year, even one year as the lead back in Kansas City would be worth that much. Oh, yeah. I mean, I did, I did my projections, and Damian Williams comes out as like a low-end RB1, high-end RB2 uh, from, a, from strictly a projection standpoint right now. It's just very easy to see a path to where he doesn't need a crazy rushing share and, and uh, target share to even be relevant in, uh, in fantasy. So the other guy I wanted to talk to you about was Alex Barnes because your, your stuff likes him too, but I just have not seen him projected anywhere good in the draft. Like it seems like he had this really good combine, all of his production numbers at K-State were good, but it seems like NFL teams don't like him. Yeah, I mean, and that matters, right? Like, I'm not going to be all in on a running back who gets drafted in the seventh round or is undrafted. Uh, it's going to be really difficult to to kind of hang your hat on that. Um, I think that he's going to be one of those guys, and I, it was the same way that I felt about Aaron Jones coming out. They're totally different backs, but Aaron Jones coming out uh, obviously didn't have as much hype, didn't get a ton of hype, went in the fifth round, I want to say, after Jamal Williams was drafted in the fourth. Um, and Aaron Jones obviously ended up being a really successful running back or is a successful, successful running back. Um, and my model ended up liking him a lot too, because that final season production was just out of control. Um, and that's really what Alex Barnes has, you know, I care a lot more about final season production from what I've found, uh, with both wide receiver and running back, but specifically running back final season production matters a lot. Um, then Alex Barnes has some of the best market share marks across rushing yard share, attempt share. Uh, reception share, touch. I mean, he has a really complete production profile. And then he goes to the combine and just slays it. Uh, and he's a really athletic guy as well. And I think the combo makes him a really good later round. I mean, if you need an early down guy, like if he's Chicago, very, he's very Rex Burkheady sort of in a way. And like, he's probably going to be a backup to start his career, but I bet he finds a good role at some point. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that like, I think that he's very capable. If you watch him, he reminds me a lot of, of, of today's James Conner, not, not college James Conner, but more right. of the, the slimmer version. Um, and, and it's, it, you know, the quicker version, I should say. I, I, he, he runs in that, with, with that same style. Uh, and he'll, he'll run you over for sure. Um, but I just, I, I think it's, it's crazy uh, that it seems like a lot of scouts are just ignoring the production aspect of things with Alex Barnes when we know that these things matter. Uh, and then the fact that he had such a good combine it's he's he's a very intriguing running back prospect in this class. So I want to talk to you about some of the the lightning rod wide receiver prospects now. First one, I I don't know if I've ever seen such variance in a wide receiver prospect as I've seen with Hakeem Butler. Some people have him outside of the top ten. Some people have him as their top guy, even over in Keel Harry. Some people have him at number two. I'm more in the number two camp. I think he's like. 
I think he's incredible. And I, uh, a lot of what is keeping people from buying in on him is uh, he had a late breakout age. So he like barely played at all until this final season at Iowa state. And he seems to be maybe, maybe a little slow, maybe, maybe like a, a little slow for how, for how tall he is, but like even not even in his combine numbers, but for when you watch him, like he's not, he, he didn't have a ton of like uh, super long gains or breaking away from cornerbacks or whatever. I, I don't tend to share those concerns though. Yeah. So I, I love Hakeem Butler as well. He's, he's kind of, so Nikhil Harry is my one and then my two, three kind of goes back and forth between Hakeem Butler and, and AJ Brown. Um, but Hakeem Butler to me, uh, I think the biggest knock on him is that he didn't really produce until his final year. Um, and and you have to question why, but then you watch it and it's like, he's, he's playing all over the field. Uh, he's, he's doing exactly what you would want to want out of, out of a big wide receiver, a guy that size. Um, so I, I, I think, you know, if you want to make a comp, I actually think player profiler might've made this comp as well. Um, but to me, he's like Brandon Marshall. Uh, same, same type of size can play everywhere. Um, and then if you look at their production in college, Brandon Marshall didn't produce until his final season either. So there's a late breakout age there. Um, so I, I think that's what we could maybe expect from Hakeem Butler. So I'm, I'm definitely on team Hakeem Butler. My model really likes him. I think that, that he's going to make an impact at the next level. Well, I'm definitely with you in the sense of, I, I do tend to pay much more attention to final season production than I do like the breakout age. I think there's a ton of value in the breakout age stuff. Something that I've been thinking about with prospects this year is I've, I've really been kind of shading towards guys who just like actually played as true freshmen, not even necessarily like we're good, but just being out there at all as sure. an 18 year old, to me, that just seems like very good evidence that you are a good football player. Yeah. I mean, breakout age matters, right? I, I think that the problem that we sometimes see is this overshadowing of breakout age versus actual production and not letting actual production towards the tail end of their college careers trump that breakout age. And and obviously you want a combination of the both, which is why Nikhil Harry is the number one wide receiver on a lot of analytic analyst boards because he has everything. He was productive his sophomore, junior seasons. He has a, a, a really great breakout age. And that combination just makes him a really safe prospect. Um, but with Hakeem Butler, you know, I, I think that you have to look at the fact that he's the only wide receiver from a power five conference in this class who ended last season with a 45% touchdown share and 42% of his team's receiving yards. I mean, he, he was out of control productive his final year. And the fact that you have this crazy size and, and he has one of the best height adjusted uh, and weight adjusted forties that we've seen that you can find. Yeah. He's um, massive. And that combination with the production is like, wow, this guy might be special at the next level. Do you have any thoughts on, uh, on my boy Ashton Doolin from, uh, from the now defunct Malone University football team? Yeah, so, I mean, he's another really, really productive guy. Crazy touchdown share his final year. 67%. You know, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't, I don't have, like, insane takes on a guy from Malone uh, because it's Malone College. Um, I, I, I do think, so, you know, whenever we're analyzing these guys through data, we're looking at, at market share and market share is supposed to it just take can't com- tell you that much about a guy who's an NFL prospect at Malone University yeah right because like at Malone the thing is with with a guy at Malone University because like market share is trying to tell you how a player did within his own offense and it's it's con- there, you can you can remove the context of passing attempts and volume and stuff like that but a guy at Malone he's competing with literally scrubs I mean guys who are better than us at football of course but 
He's competing with. I mean, with, maybe. Yeah, right. He's competing with these guys who aren't even close to pro caliber on his own team. So of course he's going to have crazy target share numbers. Of course he's going to see a lot of his teams receiving yards. So from that perspective, you can't really look at market share to that degree with a guy from Malone. I don't know when I, a guy like him, I have no idea when he'll get drafted if he gets drafted. Right. Like it's very difficult. I don't think, to, I don't think he'll get drafted. He seems yeah, like, I don't, kind of like I, a priority free agent guy. Yeah, right. I, I don't really think so either. And as a result of that, I'm probably not going to care that much because we know that that matters. Um, you know, it's not like a, you know, a few, a couple of years ago, I obviously really liked Kenny Galladay. Um, and he was a smaller school guy who had really good market share numbers. And, you know, I was like, I was like, yeah, this guy's like popping in my model. And I'm like, what? No one's really talking about him that much. And it just so happens that Detroit spent a third round pick on the guy. Right. And that right. combination, that's when I'm like, okay, I can go like all in on Kenny Galladay right now. And that's when the baby Tron thing started and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but that's not what you're going to get with a guy like Ashton Doolin because his, his school is also smaller. Um, but I don't think you're going to get that draft equity with him either. No, I mean, there's like a 0% chance. I think Jazz Ferguson actually probably has a better chance of being like the small school guy who yeah. is really productive, who could get drafted. I actually think he could be like a fifth round pick. Yeah, I mean, he, he was a LSU guy, right? And then he got in trouble and got suspended. For, for marijuana. He got suspended. Yeah. He, and he was just like, whatever, I'm going to go. I don't even remember the school he played at. Yeah, so, so like, I mean, with Jazz, he's a big-bodied guy, had a great uh, height and weight-adjusted 40. Um, I, I, could see, I could see him – I probably could see him making an impact more than Ashton Doolin. Yeah. Um, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, I actually don't know your take on him. I saw Silva tweet the other day that he kind of doesn't see it with him, but I'm, I'm a big J.J. guy. Yeah, no, I am too. Uh, he's fifth in my prospect model. Uh, touchdown share was out of control. We know that he, like, boxes defenders out like he's playing basketball when he's on the football field. I think that can translate. You know, I think people are af- afraid of the separation issues, uh, which, you know, you see the same with Nikhil Harry. Um, but you know, I, that can often be a little bit overblown. Like what I always, I always get, uh, I'm always concerned, not concerned, concerned in a, in a good way, almost when scouts are like pinpointing one very, one specific aspect Trade of the player's skill. Yeah. Yeah. And they're saying like, Oh, this guy, you know, Hakeem Butler drops a lot of passes. It's like, okay, that, that's, that's, that's literally nothing else has ever mattered less to me than dropping passes. Yeah. Like drop passes don't matter. But like, in, in particular, like pinpointing one trait and saying like, this is his issue. I understand separation matters. Like I'm not stupid, um, but there's a lot of good things that these guys have too. And I think that when everyone latches on to this, not, I don't want to call it group think because those concerns are true and they're there, but when everyone latches on to those things, they just continuously kind of lower these guys down their rankings when there are good things that these guys do too. You know, like Nikhil Harry can, can play all over the field. He's great at the slot. Uh, he's a physical guy. They use him in the Wildcat. They use Nikhil Harry in, as, yeah. a, as a Wildcat guy a couple times. Yeah, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, massive dude who can, who can be a great red zone threat. You can move him around. Um, I, I, I think that he's got at least some sort of future in the NFL, um, but I'm, I'm hoping that he just doesn't fall to a place that just doesn't utilize him correctly, especially in the I red want, zone. I want him to go to the Colts. I, because luck, luck needs the hospital ball wide receiver. He would be, he would be a great fit. Yeah, he would. He would be. I, I could see him going to uh, Indy, and I also could see him, unfortunately, just from a volume perspective, going to Seattle. Oh yeah, they would love him. He's like, yeah. no, Seattle's gonna take Miles Boykin. 
either one of those guys though like 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 yeah. in, i actually just had josh norris on my podcast earlier today and and he mentioned miles boykin and it was right after he talked about uh, chris ballard and that connection i was like oh my gosh imagine miles boykin and his athleticism and, and his potential in that colts offense like those two guys though are two guys that like you hope can can be paired with an aggressive quarterback yeah i mean and if they're not it's gonna be trouble because neither of them are like really good route runners yeah you have big thoughts on the tight ends other than it's impossible to project which tight ends are going to be good? Yeah, I don't do a ton with tight ends just because it's, it's, uh, it's a very tough position to uh, evaluate. But then on top of that, it just doesn't matter as much for fantasy purposes. You know, the, the one thing that uh, I talked to Anthony Amico about on, on my show um, was just the fact that you want athleticism and just like straight up volume basically from tight ends. Like you yeah, want to just, just like, just like 80 catches is like, you're like, yep, I'm in. But the problem, the problem with production at tight end, as opposed to wide receiver at the college level is that we know every single team is deploying wide receivers and using them in exactly. some way. Yeah. But we don't, we don't know that for time. I mean, George Kittle, like look at George Kittle, right? Yeah, like 700 like, yards in college. Yeah. So like you have guys who are unbelievable pass catchers and just like insane yak guys and they're just not getting the ball that much. And it's has everything to do with the fact that they're in an offense that just doesn't utilize the tight end. Whereas you're not going to find offenses that are like, Oh, we're not, unless it's like army, like you're not going to find offenses that are like, we don't use wide receivers. You know, like we don't, we don't care. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, I have one guy who is like a like I think he's kind of my my pet project guy at tight end, and that's Jay Sternberger from Texas A and M. The one thing he has going against him is age. He's going to be twenty three, I believe. He actually was enrolled at KU and then was like, "Oh, these guys are horrible. I don't want to play here anymore." <laughs> and then went and played at community college for a year, and then was Texas A and M's leading wide receiver, like leading pass catcher in receptions, yards, and touchdowns last year. And he like hashtag watch the film. He just he like looks good. He's like very smooth. He he looks kind of like um maybe sort of like young Jared Cook to me. He's not nearly as athletic. Yeah. Like his his he tested really bad at the which is it's not great. Irv Smith Jr. tested really bad too. He's like the size of a fullback. Yeah, yeah, that's a little concern. I think I, I mean I think both Iowa guys are gonna be good. Like I, I like I. I feel no, pretty, no doubt, no doubt. I think yeah. I. Who do you think is better? Do Do you have a take on that? I have no. I have literally zero take. I, I'm looking at it from the perspective of like, like I don't have a take. I want to see where they land. After I know where they land, I'll probably have a strong take as to which one is is gonna be better at the next level. I think that Hawk is gonna be the better NFL player because he blocks crazy but i think font will have better pass catching numbers for like the yeah. first couple of years of their career yeah and he, like he's that. more athletic too yeah i could see that what about what about the quarterback prospects have you done any work on that or just yeah like, a little know? bit i mean it's the same from a fantasy perspective where i definitely don't care about quarterbacks i at least kind yeah. of care about tight ends uh but kyler murray's my one like pretty easily uh it's really difficult to to shy away from his efficiency numbers um, I think that you can make arguments for Will Greer at two. I don't, I don't think I would necessarily put him there. I think Drew Locke has a, a pretty high ceiling um, and does things that you would want out of NFL quarterbacks. Um, but I think Haskins is probably still my two. But I'm, I'm just worried. Um, that, that whole Ohio State offense. Like, yeah, it's just everyone's going to play in the NFL, so what do you even do? I don't – yeah, and like the way it's run, I mean, like, like I'm, I'm having – crazy trouble with like Paris Campbell like I oh I actually, I like him 
See, I, I, I usually hate the hybrid types and, and I felt the same way about Curtis Samuel and Curtis Samuel's not bad. I mean, he's, he's been fine, but I, I just, I'm having a hard time figuring out what the main difference. I think Evan Silva think, was tweeting Think of him as like rocked up Taylor Gabriel. That's what, that's what Paris Campbell is. Though the, the point that Silva made is good, which is in the sense that it's all projection with him. You, that's it. Yeah, he's a blank canvas and you're having to say, I think he can eventually learn to do this. And, right? and the way that I approach, like I, I don't like that ambiguity, which is why production matters to me so much, right? And, and he saw relative, I mean, decent enough uh, numbers. I mean- his market share numbers weren't out of control, um, but it's just really hard. I mean, PFF had had Paris Campbell with two deep ball receptions last year. Like, how do you how do you project that? Like, yeah. how, how do you how do you say I'm going to take Paris Campbell in the late first or you know in the mid second round with confidence, not knowing exactly what he can be as a as a deep ball guy? And if he's not that, then you can get that kind of player. Yeah, there's a there's any- a. But I think that type of player is like more valuable now than they have been in years past because I think teams are actually using that player now. Well, smart teams, right? Yeah. Like, like, like smart, creative teams know how to utilize that kind of guy. Like if you threw him in an Andy Reid offense, he would know what to do with Paris Campbell, right? If you threw him in a Brian Schottenheimer offense, he would have yeah, no idea what to do with Paris Campbell. Yeah, yeah it'd be bad. So that's kind of where I'm at with him. He's like, uh, he's like a, he's to me, I just want him to go to the bears because he'd be like, if you synthesized Cohen and Gabriel into one guy, but like the bears have no draft picks. Yeah. And like the bears are, I mean, the bears I think are already extracting that value that you would get like from Cohen and Gabriel. I mean, I, I just, again, it's so landing spot dependent. It's hard to like think, I mean, I'm sure like new England would find a way to use him, right? Like I mean, they used CP last year. Yeah. They'd they'd figure out some way to use Paris Campbell. But again, like if if he is CP, right. I just just remembered the Bears signed Patterson and they're going to be so good on offense this year. Yeah. They did get Patterson, but like, like that's the thing. Like, is he, is he Cordero Patterson, which is another comp that people have been throwing around with, with Paris Campbell. And I, I mean, I just, I have a hard time, like, if I'm going to spend a first-round pick, late first, let's say, I don't think he's going to necessarily go in the first. I think the only wide receiver that goes in the first might be end up being Hollywood Brown. You think he'll be the only one that goes in the first? I think that the, if you're, because, like, it's not, it's not how I feel, of course, right? I'm just trying to, like, read what these insiders are kind of saying and, and telling us, and it, it seems like, like teams are, might be lower on Hakeem Butler than we would think no and, i think i think that's the feeling that's definitely true from like the inside nfl people yeah like like and like at first i'm like oh dk metcalf's gonna be like a top 15 pick after the combine but i think that's cooled down a little bit um and, and the hollywood brown hype is is there i think that he's at least he's at least like if the over under were set at one and a half for wide receivers i'd probably go over and say two um but i think that there's a chance that that brown's the only one that goes in the first that's like a very tough prospect for me to figure out just because there's not been anyone like him but also that type of player is probably now more able to succeed than they would have been 10 years ago yeah the the thing is i mean since 1991 we haven't seen a single wide receiver sub 170 pounds get a thousand receiving yards because deshaun jackson's 175 pounds deshaun jackson is the comp for marquise brown from like a ceiling standpoint right um which i think he can do 
Yeah, I mean, like, look, if you get Deshaun Jackson, if you were guaranteed a Deshaun Jackson career in the first round, you'd take that all day. Yeah. Right? Like, that's right. that's Deshaun Jackson's had a really, really good and underrated career. Um, but, like, the foot injury and, like, he weighs in at 166 of the combine. It's like, is that really what his playing? Like, if that's his playing weight, you got to stay away. Like, you, you, you just can't. Like, how do you spend a first-round pick on a guy who weighs 166 pounds? And fear for him out there. Yeah. I mean, that's, like, your size. I, I, if, I just, if I just ate nothing, but if I just post-made a dinner for two weeks, I could get there. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, he's, yeah, like he's, he's not big, and it's, it's scary to think about. I mean, I think he's really talented. He has a great – he's pretty good production profile. Uh, obviously, we think that he has – would have run, like, a really good 40, um, but that foot injury is looming. Yeah, I mean, Liz Frank injuries are scary in and of themselves. Yeah, the foot injury is looming. Um, He's small. I mean, there's enough to say, like, don't spend a first rounder on this guy, but I think some team is going to. Yeah. I hope in Keel Harry goes first, though. He's good. He is. I, I, I bet you he's a second rounder, though. Yeah. That, that sounds more accurate. That sounds more likely. Yeah. Because I think a lot of teams are going to say that he's only a slot guy. Yeah. All right, man. That was, uh, that, was, that was what we needed. We needed to talk some prospects. We needed to get, uh, we needed to get some thoughts out there. Uh, tell people about the Late Round Podcast and about your work on Number Fire. Yeah, so I have the Late Round Podcast. Do that twice a week in the offseason. It's just me talking, bring on guests every once in a while. Uh, it's an analytical show. Um, and then everything on Number Fire, we're cranking out uh, stuff of all sports, not just football. Um, so, yeah, check it out. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba-go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.